I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday as you walk, listen to this. Happy Friday as we record it. We are totally awake, alive, alert, enthusiastic here at the Langham in Pasadena. I mean, okay. <laughs> ben is a little sleepier than I am because Ben had to go to Sundance for a few days, and that'll take it out of it, guy. Yeah, I think it's just Friday. Gotta I'm get tired. down. You gotta get down on Friday, Ben. I don't want to. I want to. I mean, wait. Does get down mean like go under the covers into the bed and sleep? It can mean whatever you want it to mean. Oh, all right. That's fine then. All right. So, but the thing is, uh, we're recording this on Friday, and as apparently America knows, uh, you know, outside of this hotel room, there's like a Sunday happening, and on that Sunday, there will be this thing called the Superb Owl. Nailed it. Yeah, I did it. Actually, if you Google Superb Owl, it will pop up with all the relevant Super Bowl information, and but with, with a little graphic of an owl, and he wears a little crown because he's superb. I think if we were if we were a site that covered the Super Bowl right. like in, a, in a real sense, um, I would try to own the SEO for it by misspellings, so like by squishing the words together to form one word. Sure. Uh, I mean, obviously, a superb owl, since that sounds fun. Um, but yeah, just, just, you know, there's no real competing with ESPN. So, yeah. like, might as well let's steal some of the traffic for the for those noobs out there who are just trying to, you know. It's a legit guess. strategy. Like, I, uh, I, I, ages ago, I had a post that did really well for the tech blog I was writing for because I misspelled the word inauguration in the headline. Very good. And they never corrected it. We were a great organization. Actually, no, I miss that company. It's uh, scary to correct things when they're getting traffic, but yeah, um, but yeah, the Super Bowl is happening. Uh, as you know, people who live in Los Angeles, I'm sure we're all are both rooting for the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, uh, I can't. You're rooting for the Patriots. I can't. No, it's the Super Bowl is really complicated for me because I I actively can't root for the Patriots because why am I, I I don't want to be that person uh, but I also can't root for the Rams because as a San Francisco native I cannot root for any Los Angeles based sports team I just I just it, it, that's not a universal rule in fact my brother has been making some noises about the Dodgers lately that he needs to be punished for but, but see the Dodgers make sense there's a rivalry between the Dodgers and the Giants there right. is no rivalry between the Niners and the Rams that is fair because the Rams have only been here for two years and, and unless you're 50 years old then it like they were always St. Louis before then so it's like yeah who cares and also the Niners would have to be anything resembling a functional team for... and they, they're slowly but surely figuring it out as long as Garoppolo doesn't get hurt again yes those yeah Garoppolo, definitely yep. him. Just remember that name, Liz. Um, you know what's interesting, though? Uh, on my drive-in, uh, I noticed that all the buses, uh, the L.A. local buses here, they say, go Rams. On the, on the, and they, or they're flashing it on the, uh, on, the, on the buses. You know, it's amazing that, like, having lived in, in, or having been to Chicago while the Bears were in the Super Bowl and seen other cities when their teams are, like, you know, yeah part of something massive uh los angeles pride is severely lacking like i i it's never been a good sports town no. but uh their 
their local enthusiasm for the Rams is basically non-existent. I mean, yeah, you could chalk it up to the fact that so we're still kind of remembering that we have a sports team, a football team specifically. I mean, Lakers fever is real. Like, when the Lakers are doing well, it gets really obnoxious. It gets kind of obnoxious. Like, even, even, like, you're as, not, not, a, not as obnoxious as it could be. Not, like, the East Coast, Chicago, a lot of Midwestern, a lot of Southern uh, cities, like, that, that have those, like, that's true obnoxious sports fandom. Like, Los Angelinos are very reserved in comparison. They can be idiots, like everybody, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting, and, and, all of this broader discourse is kind of what I'm interested in talking about because what we as TV aficionados and, and scholars and and fans are uh, interested in surrounding the Super Bowl is, is very much what else is going on because of it. So, yes. you know, obviously um, there's people that just try to dodge the Super Bowl, like uh, HBO has released their... Sunday night shows early. They released them on Friday so that you could see them and not have to sacrifice... Uh, any time devoted to the to the sportsing. Have they done that? They, I feel like they've done that before. Yeah. I don't know for the Super Bowl. No, they've done it for the Super Bowl. They, okay. they do it for a lot of different reasons, Have like they done holidays it for the, and for the whatnot. Uh, they might. Yeah. That, yeah. that would make sense too. Yeah. Um, but there's also the ones, and I think this is where it's getting interesting to me. They're the they're the people that try to take advantage of the Super Bowl as a launching platform, and right. most popularly, that's used through the commercials. Like they they have a, a big campaign that's tied to it, and people get excited because they're all watching the same thing, and 100 million people catch it. Um, you know, most uh, pertinently, this applied to Netflix last year. Was it last year? Uh, Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Yep, last year. Feels like it could, you could no. tell me it was five years ago. I no. would have believed you. Yeah. No. Um, but that's like the that, that's one of the the bigger examples right now. And while we don't know of anything similar happening this happening this year, there are at least two programs that are trying to use Super Bowl Sunday as a launching pad of sorts for their shows. Yeah, I mean, so one example is, and I actually think this is a, I I only really just put it together what they're doing, but this is actually pretty smart. Uh, so Hannah, uh, which is the new Amazon series. I think it's meant for March-ish? I think so, yeah. Um, Mar- we'll probably find out officially in like a week or two. I think they told us already, but yeah. anyway, doesn't matter. It's coming soon. Um, yes, and but it's going to come even sooner than we think because technically they're going to release the first episode of the show on Sunday, and they have a Super Bowl ad, which I imagine will include something like, you can go watch this right now on Amazon. Probably with very careful wording, similar to the problem that Netflix had last year with Cloverfield, where they couldn't say, they couldn't literally say, as soon as the game is over, this movie will be available to watch. Um, but they basically said it. Well, and I think I think Hannah's available all day Sunday. Right. I don't think it starts with the ad or with the Super Bowl. I think it starts Sunday and lasts throughout the evening. Right. Um, but so the that, but the ad can push people to watch it on. Well, of course, yeah, and I and yeah, the the wording and how they do that will be interesting, considering all the restrictions given by the the broadcast network, it's CBS yeah. this year, right? It's CBS this year slash the NFL. Yeah, I mean, basically, well, it's the biggest thing. Biggest thing is, I think you can't officially tell people to watch something somewhere. Right, you can't um, can't can't tell them to go elsewhere. Yeah, um, they're not going to directly advertise for com- competition during the thing they want you to be watching right now. So exactly. Um, but there are people who you know wisely recognize that this is a huge audience and a huge potential to get people to 
check out something, you know, as long as they can steer their steal their attention even for thirty seconds. So, um, I I will be fascinated if Amazon decides to tell us how successful this is. It's almost like they have to because of how much money they're tying into the launch of this. Yeah. Uh, this twenty four hour preview window. And, I mean, yes, to, to back up ever so slightly, Hannah is a TV remake of the 2011-ish oh, yeah. Joe yeah. Wright film. Yeah, I don't know if that's exactly yeah. the right year. God, I um, forgot that Joe Wright directed that. He was like, let me make this beautiful period drama called Atonement, and then let me take the star of that and then make and, her a brutal assass- a brutal, brutal child assassin. Yeah, let me let me apologize to Saoirse Ronan and make a good movie after making a terrible movie. You don't like Atonement? Atonement is garbage. Um, <laughs> Whoa! But uh, but Hannah's great. And uh, why the, is Atonement garbage? But Hannah's great. Well, Hannah is is very quick and authentic and and fast paced and and it's engaging and there's great performances and the camera work is is astounding and it's all in service of the story. Whereas Atonement to me feels very gimmicky and shallow and uh, with decreasing rewards as you go through each of the three acts. So I just, I mean... You don't even like the Dunkirk scene? No. I mean, it looks great, but it's it's uh, emotionally hollow, so I, I don't really okay. respond to it. But Hannah, I think, is something where um, it's one of those projects where, you know, uh, because of the mystery to it, because of the, the spy elements and the danger and all that, you're kind of drawn to just figuring out what's going on, but there's a rewarding backstory for the main character as well, which is really exciting. And again, I think what most people are going to talk about when this fully hits mm-hmm. is the fact that we're getting a, a killing reunion with What's his nuts and and the great Mariel Anos? <laughs> I like um, I like that your your reference for these. I don't I can't really tell if you have more reverence for one actor over the other. Mariel Anos is, and I'm definitely mispronouncing that, is so good that even the atrocity that is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's sabotage, even that movie, she was good in. Like, wow, she's she can. I mean, she does a lot of things wrong because she picks some bad parts slash gets stuck in some bad parts, but she's great. Yeah. I wonder if she and Gillian Anderson end up fighting over the same terrible scripts. Would not surprise me. Would not surprise me either. Um, But anyway, that's that's the show. Um, So if you were a fan of that movie, I think you'll be interested at least. Yeah. Uh, And I I mean, it wasn't a hugely successful film, but, you know, it it left somewhat of a mark, apparently. And um, I'm, I'm... Again, obviously, as a fan of the movie, interested to see what they do with the show. I think the first episode should provide a good window into like how much they're going to frame the season around the story that we've already had and how much they're going to depart from it and yada, yada, yada. But um, I think in general, I'm, I am most curious to see if this is something that is successful or if it's just overwhelming like if it's just the concept of so many things happening on one day mm-hmm. and so many things happening you know telling you to go do this thing whether it's buy this you know car buy these nachos go to this restaurant watch this movie watch this tv show whether all of that just kind of gets lost in the shuffle and you're left with a general impression that when it is available you're like okay i remember that from the super bowl maybe i'll watch it or if it actually works to drive people immediately to this thing or if just it being available on a Sunday when a lot of people are talking and there's all these stories going out you know about the trailers and about the ads and about the different things people are trying if that 
along with this very podcast, is you know something that contributes to people actually paying attention. And even though, I guess this podcast will be airing when the show is gone, so <laughs> we're not really doing anybody any favors. Not but. not for well, we were getting you know people will be interested in Hannah when it comes out. I mean, but uh, this is the question I want to ask you: like, if you were if you were a civilian, say, not fighting in the TV wars. Uh, but you're a civilian, you're watching the Super Bowl, you see an ad for Hannah, you're a fan of the movie. Do you think to yourself, well, instead of watching the garbage, not garbage, instead of watching oh, the post show, the post, uh, post Super Bowl premiere that CBS has in store, do oh, you think, God. do you think you would tune in for, do you, you, you would, you would be like, oh, let's just, you know, turn off, turn, turn off the, uh, the cable and go over to, uh, go over to Amazon. I think if it was a simple choice of, of one or the other, then yes, absolutely, that's what I do. I think the the problem, and again, this is what is always the problem these days, is that it's it's a choice of everything else. It's not just what is immediately available after the Super Bowl or just available on that Sunday. Um, it's you know, Russian Doll premiered on Friday, and mm-hmm. maybe I haven't finished it yet, and I want to get back to the binge as soon as the the you know the thing's over, or sure. maybe there's a an Oscar movie that I'm going to get to, or you know, it's late. I'm going to go to bed if I'm on the East Coast. You know, like all of these very normal things. Um, that is still staggering, by the way. For for I, I, I was talking to some uh, critics earlier this week who were who are from the East Coast, and they're just like very confused by this notion that we will be done watching the Super Bowl at seven o'clock, ish. Yeah, ish for sure. But but, um, but yeah, no, it's it's very weird having grown up in the Midwest, in the Midwest, in the Central Time Zone. Uh, you tapped out around both, like nine. Yeah, both the the Super Bowl. And most NFL games in general would last either right up until the point when I immediately went to bed or I'd go to bed before they were over. So, like, this this West Coast aspect of, like, no, there's so much time left in the night on a Sunday to do something with it. Yeah. Here's all the things. You know, maybe maybe that's clouding the judgment of the entertainment world where they think maybe more, like, they're they're making the decisions living out here and they're thinking they can... Definitely you know, releasing, like, a, a whole movie, like an hour-and-a-half-long right. movie right after the Super Bowl speaks to that. It definitely was a, a strike against it for some of the critics we know who had to stay up late and, and review it. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't do that to critics, Netflix. <laughs> Pretty rough, but... Um, um, there's that... Yeah, Cloverfield Paradox. Remember when Chris O'Dowd yelled at his own arm? It was great. That was such a bad movie. Um, I mean, it... it, 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 it it deserve it the way in which it wastes one of the greater ensembles in recent memory is a pretty much a war crime. I don't know if I'd call it. I mean, they're fine. They're good actors. I don't. Gugu's great. She's great, but sh- that's not. The Becky's in that movie. All right, let's How not. How dare you, you? This is we are like two months removed from when Widows came out. Let's not start talking about the greatest casts and and anything. Like, come on. Like, no, but the Widows used its cast well. So you're saying only of great cast that were used poorly. This one was especially used poorly. Yeah. Okay. I mean. I mean, are you gonna argue? Sure. Are you gonna argue that like that movie was worthy of its cast? No, I'm gonna argue that the that like the movie was bad and the cast was like as good as the movie could. have gotten and like i like them in other things more but i don't really like i'm not gonna put them on a pedestal of like greatness like oh my god this cast is something i hope they reunite and make something better i mean i i do hope that i want that great i'm sure netflix will give it to you um but it's worth noting that that of all the things we've just talked about related to hannah i think the more popular option (laughs) if if you can access it or figure out how to access it will be the Walking Dead premiering early. Mm. 
because obviously that's still a very uh, well-watched show. People still watch that show. Yep. Um, and uh, they're releasing that, what, a week in advance via AMC, whatever they're calling the, the on-demand streaming thingamajig? Yes. Because I think that the actual premiere, it's not actually airing Sunday. It's airing the next Sunday, like the yeah. the, the like the telecast version, like the, I, the think it, I think it's I think it's oh god, it, is it the ninth? I that seems right. Um, but <sighs> but they're they're pegging the early release to the Super Bowl itself, with the hopes that you know people will do the same thing where they'll just be like, well, okay, okay, I've I've been wanting to watch this show. It's now available to me on a day that I've kind of blocked off to just be in front of my TV. And I can spare an hour or 45 minutes, whatever, to be able to check out this, you know, this new episode of one of my favorite shows. And I just, it's the same thing. Like, it's one of those, I mean, I, I think it's going to be hard for The Walking Dead to do this because so many AMC viewers, I feel, come from people who are tied to cable subscriptions. Right. And they are not necessarily ready, willing, and eager to make the leap to downloading and installing streaming app. platform yeah, apps and, and whatever. Uh, so unless they like make it available at the click of a button somehow through their, you know, cable box or direct TV or whatever it is, then I think they're gonna, you know, struggle a little bit. But um, I just I still think that on a day when it's already being dominated by something people are watching the idea of giving them an extra thing to watch is flawed. Like, it doesn't work to me, like, it doesn't seem to work in my head the same way that using the Super Bowl as a launching pad for a show right after it works because mm -hmm. so many people just, you know, in the old, you just like, leave, you the, just TV leave on. the TV on. And you get all those ads because it's your network, you mm -hmm. know, playing the Super Bowl and you're telling them it's happening right afterwards. So it's very easy to get people to be like, okay, I will watch that now. Tonight on NBC, a man will die. That's, and that worked great. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, honestly, <laughs> the thing. Terrible that, episode, but. The thing that's funny about CBS, about what CBS is doing, is the, the show is called The World's Best, and it's a collection of variety acts that are also in a competition. Um, this is why it was funny yesterday when uh, they announced that there's going to be a variety show on the CW and the guy was just like, and Mark Pettit was just like, yeah, it's a variety show. No competition. You're just going to see some stuff. And I, 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 it, it amused me. I don't even know if he was doing it on purpose, but it made me laugh. Um, Let's believe he was. Yes. Uh, but anyways, uh, but yeah, with World's Best, one of the acts they teased is a guy who's like an escape artist and he's literally crammed inside a tiny box, like drowning. And it was, in, in my head, I was like, oh God, what if CBS is just gonna take the next step from NBC and just kill a man on TV for real? Like, maybe, maybe, maybe this is where civilization really starts to crumble. Maybe this is what, this is the turning point. I think that already happened with the Mass Singer, but I mean, it's, it's fair. No one died on a Mass Singer, though. But civilization did, at least a little bit. Um, I, I mean, our, our collective standards have, have dropped ever ever so much if we're willing to invest this much interest in terry bradshaw singing so i'm just really proud of myself for correctly correctly guessing that margaret show was the poodle again i rest my case but <laughs> uh but no i mean it it's 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 a different launching pad entirely to me when you're the network you are airing the super bowl you get a boost because you've already got everybody tuned in and paying attention to you versus somebody who's going to air one spot 
or make one announcement or try to, you know, tie into the Super Bowl to get them to bring up something else. And it's not that it's just hard or difficult at all for somebody to change the channel or to, you know, whip up their Apple TV or whatever. It's just that we're so overloaded with content these mm-hmm. days that it's going to come down to winning preference and winning kind of the battle of buzz. And that's not something I think you can do by just making it available. That being said, especially with Amazon, because they seem to have unlimited money. Right. Especially coming out of Sundance with all their giant spends. Right. um, I don't think that's a bad idea to spend money on a show that they are invested in through the Super Bowl. I've always been a big proponent of, of Super Bowl spots for movies and TV shows, if only because... Getting that many eyeballs on something is almost impossible these days. Yeah. The only thing that bums me out about it is that I always go to a Super... I go to my friend's Super Bowl party every year, and it's always a really good party. He does it upright. Um, he's got the puppy bowl going in one corner. He's got adorable children now that run around and start terrorizing each other. It's lots, lots of good entertainment value. Uh, but there's always, like, at least two or three times I'm always... I'm, I'm that person who's like, shish! The commercial's on! And I feel bad about that. But... I also want to see the commercials. Uh, but something I, I think one thing about this conversation uh, that we're kind of taking as a given is the idea that everyone will watch the Super Bowl. Um, and we haven't really dug into the idea that people, like maybe Amazon is releasing Hannah not because they want to give it that Super Bowl push, but because they assume that there's going to be an audience that is like, meh, Super Bowl, and they turn on their Rokus or their or their Rokus or what, whatever, the Amazon Fire Sticks, there you go. Uh, there's the corporate synergy that Amazon craves. And they turn on their app, Amazon Fire Sticks and they see that Amazon has a new show for them to watch. Um, like, because th- th- there's that aspect to it. And actually it was, one thing I've been wondering is, like, I feel like we've gotten a lot of these announcements about what's being planned for the Super Bowl after the playoffs. After the playoffs ended, we knew who was going to be in the final game. I believe this. I could be wrong. You are the sports ball expert here. So <laughs> don't make you, – you're, you knew the thing about the guy on the Niners who needs to not get hurt. I don't think that makes me an expert. <laughs> More at the uh, – between the two of us. Right, I'm still uncomfortable. Continue. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but, like, do you feel like if two different teams had ended up in the Super Bowl, the what what networks would have planned would change? Especially given the fact that, well, theoretically, like, the Patriots, which are a very big, important sports ball team, and the Rams, who come from L.A., and technically, you know, networks like it when teams from big cities are in big final games. Yeah. I. <laughs> so, this... Um... This steers back to our original conversation about like the LA fandom and the value of it because it's harder to imagine in terms of just market share uh, the network having a better preference. Like the idea of them of well the the alternative option was New Orleans and Kansas City, and that's not great in it's, terms of the markets. It's um, a better story though. It's well, it, I think I think Kansas. Well, I don't know what's a better story. I think that. The Saints have probably more of a fandom and a more of a passionate understanding around them than the Rams do. Right. Um, but that, that's that's kind of neither here nor there. Basically, what I'd say is no. I think that they do the same thing, no matter who the teams were. Right. Um, the NFL has just reached a point 
even though you know the last few years have been difficult and they've made a lot of atrocious, horrible, godforsaken decisions um, from a PR standpoint, they haven't really lost control of that that just urgency to to see what happens. Um, so I think that they'd keep doing it. Um, I think that I think that people would swarm around this because again, it's just so rare to have so many eyes on the same thing. Like even if it wasn't like even if it's not 120 million, if it's 80, nothing else that happens this year is going to be seen by 80. And 80 would be a huge drop. Like 80 would be a big disappointment. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have to be the worst teams like playing, and it would be a 65 to nothing blowout at halftime for people to stop. You know, for it to drop like that. But anyway, um, I think the other interesting thing, at least with Hannah as opposed to The Walking Dead and what might separate those two things is people who watch Amazon are very much accustomed to seeing everything at once. Like, those seasons mm. get dropped yeah. in one big spread. And maybe it was too much to give them a full season 24 hours in advance, or, or for just 24 hours. Maybe they were worried about piracy and it leaking between now and the official date, and they weren't so much worried about, like, one episode getting pirated and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do think, and it's the same thing when you know Showtime, HBO release stuff on YouTube when they release like a premiere of something on YouTube and it's only one episode. Like I think those get watched, and I think that definitely helps, and I think it can help build buzz. But I think a lot of people are still disinclined to watch them because they know they only've got one, and if mm-hmm. they like it, they don't get to watch the rest, and if they don't like it, they wasted their time with one. So it's like. You've, cor- you've correctly identified why it's harder and harder for me now to watch uh, screeners with my family over Christmas vacation. Yeah. Because either it's like, you know, my parents will see, oh, you have that first episode of The Americans. This was when The Americans was still airing. And they'd be like, we don't want to watch the one episode and then wait until March to watch the second episode. Yeah. And it's weird. I think that some shows better prepare you for that sort of thing. Like a, a similar experience. Like if I have something where people are used to watching it weekly or using used to having to wait to watch... Mm-hmm. episodes of it they're more year to be like well if you got one I'll watch it like I'll check that out but um, for some of the stuff where they you know either prefer to binge it or it's just always available to binge it's just become such a reliance and a preference that it overrides anything else and there's things that you can do that with so then your preferences sway toward that when you have the option of what am I going to watch for the next hour um, I do think it's an interesting point about counter programming I think it's going to be difficult to do so if only because those people who know they're not going to watch the Super Bowl are just as hard to persuade to watch something, Mm -hmm. if not harder, than the ones who are watching the Super Bowl and see the ad. Um, But, you know, you're right. If they swip on on Amazon and it's there, that might be a best-case scenario. I think the only thing is they might get confused or annoyed again by the fact that they don't have it all. And they're like, how long do I have to wait to watch the rest of this? That's dumb. (laughs) But... uh, I don't know. It's I, I, I love these strategies. I love these kind of experiments that people make, that that, broad, that broadcasters, networks, distributors, marketers, all of them make when they're trying to figure out a way to make something stand out. Yeah. Because you got to. I mean, there's so much. Mm-hmm. And especially today. Uh, my two favorite uh, ideas for, for Super Bowl counter-programming, um, I have friends with Disneyland annual passes, and they say that the place is a ghost town on Super Bowl Sunday. So that they they make a point. A lot of people, the people who don't do Super Bowl Sunday, who have annual passes, like to go on those days, on that day. And then also, I remember, I think it was two years ago, maybe three, that uh, I think the Downton Abbey series finale 
aired on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. In fact, it's not the series finale. It was definitely was like it, or it could have been the season premiere. I can't remember at this moment, but there was definitely a Super Bowl Sunday where I think I had a alternate offer between going to I had that party, my 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 annual Super Bowl party, or I had a friend who was having a Downton Abbey viewing party, and I I chose the Super Bowl because I'm an American, goddammit. But you know, it was still a nice offer. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I think uh, you know, no matter what, it's going to be a football game. We're gonna, even if it's a terrible football game, as it more often than not is, you know, it'll still be an opportunity to drink beer at three in the afternoon, and not be at TCA's, which that's appreciated. It takes a it takes an event the size of the Golden Globes or the Super Bowl to postpone a day of TCA's. We do know that. Yeah, it is literally those things that are required. Um, but Ben, in the meantime, what's the best thing you saw last week? Well, I mean, honestly, <coughs> it's probably Russian Doll, but since we've already covered that pretty extensively, uh, including your enthusiastic recommendation last week, I'll, I'll briefly mention that while moving on to um, a couple of things I saw at Sundance that should be good. I think anybody who's interested in the Wu-Tang Clan, be it for their music or for the Leftovers tie-in, uh, will enjoy the upcoming four-part Showtime doc from Sacha Jenkins. It's uh, made very, very well. Uh, the, there's interviews with the entire living body of, of Wu-Tang members. Um, there's pretty cool, innovative interview structures and formats and, and the way they're shot, which makes it kind of fun to, to just watch them talk in a way. Um, but also the music is, I'd say, largely pulled from, like, you know... Uh, live? Old, well, yeah, old live concerts, like stuff that you didn't necessarily get to hear. Um, they haven't been released elsewhere. I don't know if it's all new footage, but it's definitely rare footage. And... Um, that was pretty exciting, and the way it's cut together is obviously by somebody who's so passionate about the group that you can tell uh, there's a lot to it from there. And then, uh, secondly, at some point soon on Sundance TV, there will be a two-hander with, uh, as Liz mentioned, her favorite Chris O'Dowd and Rosamund Pike. Liz, love, love, um, the, love both of them. They're great. Yep, written by Nick Hornby and directed by Stephen Frears. And it's, they're like 10 minute or less episodes of just two people sitting at a table and talking about their marriage. And as painful as that may sound, um, it's, it's, you know, they're great. They're charming. The writing is very witty and insightful and it, it knows exactly how to go kind of up and down uh, with the drama and comedy to keep you engaged and, and keep things moving. And um, it's really fun. Like I, I would much prefer to see them make like a full half hour comedy because of everybody's talents involved. Like they're clearly ready to do something like that. But as kind of a little uh, exercise that everybody gets to enjoy in just a quick, you know, hour and fifty minutes or something, it's uh, it's pretty fun. So. Yeah, I liked what you said in your review about how it the dialogue is just witty enough to be entertaining, but not so witty that you don't believe that real people are saying it. Yeah, yeah, that's thank you. It, it's it's Hornby's uh, been doing this long enough where he he's got a great ear for it, both through his novels and uh, the screenplays he's and nominated for Oscars for. But um, but yeah, I mean it's it's a great kind of combination of people, and uh, yeah. there'll be more to discuss surrounding some of the pilots that were at Sundance, but. We'll save that for when they're available. So, Elizabeth, uh, what was the best thing you watched last week? Well, 
Uh, and I, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like I technically, you know, owe a bit of a, you know, not apology, not just a, you know, a slight acknowledgement that I was maybe not sure that Umbrella Academy was going to be the shit. Um, and when it, when it, when we were first initially discussing it, but having seen, uh, the full first season of, uh, the upcoming Netflix series, I can say pretty good, pretty good, pretty fun. Lots of good stuff. Lots of stuff to talk about. Some really great acting, some really great, uh, some really great uh, character moments. Um, I think there's a lot of elements to it that feel a little familiar to me. This is a, it's based on the comic book by Gerard Way and Gabriel Ba. Uh, it's about a uh, dysfunctional family of superheroes, uh, which you know has you know been done. But th this is, does a lot of things pretty differently. There's a lot of cool aspects to it, and I think it's going to be a show. I don't know if it's going to be a huge juggernaut of a show but i think a lot of people are going to enjoy it i believe this yes so we'll see how people actually react to it but so far pretty impressive um and i'm, I'm wary of all things netflix and superhero but i i definitely respect your opinion well and, uh, the, the, the looking showrunner... forward to seeing it i mean the showrunner was also an altered carbon but Jesus. Just gonna lower your expectations as low as I can get them. You did it. I did it. Um, but you know, can't be entirely his fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Debatable. Yeah, I think honestly, uh, yeah, I was, I was, a, I was a big altered carbon apologist last year for a while, and I. Still... Despite the presence of Joel Kinnaman, aka yeah. what's his nuts. Hey, look, season two, they're uh, they upgraded to Anthony Mackie, and I'm kind of on board with that. It's. Wow. It's definitely an upgrade. <laughs> I don't know if it's enough, but great. Yes. Um, but Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, honestly, I'm looking forward to some some screeners we got through uh, the TCAs, but uh, I've also reached the end of my True Detective screeners. Mm. So, like, we've caught up with what they gave us to start the season. Um, and I, again, you know, I've, I've talked about it before. I think the season is, is very solid. Um, I'm very curious to see how they decide to end it. Um, I'm not so much as, as one who's trying to piece together the clues, but um, the characters they've established and uh, just watching Mahershala act is everything. So um, so I'm looking forward to new episodes of True Detective along with the rest of the world. So we're on episode five as of, uh, as of recording this? Uh, episode five aired, yes, yeah, aired... Uh, Sunday, the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's out now. It's out Friday. Yeah, it's, okay. People can watch it, but I can watch and I can watch four episodes of television in a week. I've done it before. That's pretty light, Liz. Yes, um, but I can. I can. The point is, I can try to talk. I can try to watch it soon enough so we can talk about it before it gets much later. Because uh, oh. you, because every every Friday you ask me, have you caught up with True Detective yet? And you, I have to. I have to tell you no, and I feel really bad about it. Well, one of these days we'll we'll get into it. But uh, until then, Liz, what are you looking forward to next? I'm just I I'm sure whatever I would ha I would say about it would be embargoed. But since I haven't seen a lick of it, I can say that uh, we have a lot of screeners for Better Things season three available to us, courtesy of uh, FX and their upcoming uh, TCA Press Day. And yeah, that was a good that's a good show. I'm looking forward to seeing how season three comes out. Um, I feel confident it will be very good, even with with the Louis C. Kness of it all. Um, I, I'm inter definitely interested to see if like there's a notable change, but and I'm not going to make Ben talk about it because I feel like you would not say anything. 
Uh, but yeah, so yeah, better things. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of on the plate. Like, oh, we have American God screeners uh, for season two. We've got two episodes of that, and definitely we, a bargain about that. Yeah, but yeah, but I haven't seen it. I haven't uh, again. I haven't seen a lick, so I can say that I want to see it. That's in that without breaking any sort of agreement that I've made with any sort of multinational corporation. Um, but I am looking forward to. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of a lot of stuff. Uh, TCA is the way they're structured this year. Uh, basically, the back half of the the last the last week is where a lot of the really meaty stuff is going to come because that's uh, the cable days. So that's when HBO happens. That's when uh, Stars happens. That's when Amazon happens. That's when Hulu happens. Etc. It's going to be a lot, but it's going to be fun. So uh, you will be able to read all about that and more on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. Make sure to listen to IndieWire's other podcasts, including the one that started it all, <clears throat> Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn, and uh, obviously listen to my ex-roommate, a.k.a. the best person in the world, filmmaker toolkit podcast host, Chris Ofald. You guys, you guys were roommates at Sundance? We bunked up. I, I bet he's a really good roommate. He's great. Very clean. Very put together, very clean, very respectful. Uh, again, he's the, the epitome of humankind, so there's no surprises there. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad you guys got that time in. Mm-hmm. Got to bond. You'll find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet, that's with an I, and then an E. Yep. Uh, we will be back next week with episode 200. We have yet to figure out what that's going to mean for us. Uh, at some point, we should discuss that. Uh, I'm going to sleep. No. Yeah. No. I think that'd be good. No. No, you can sleep. We can sleep before or after, but at some point, we need to record a 200th episode so I can get treats. No treats. No, I did the thing. Nope. I cleaned. I didn't see it. I, I very deliberately cleaned, and then you went to Sundance without telling us, and so, you know, it's not my fault. Not my fault. It is your fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> I didn't see it. You could have done it earlier. No, it was... T- I haven't been... I haven't been in the office for a week. That's what I'm saying. It's been done. I did it before I left the office on last Friday. No, no treats. <laughs> I want treats. We don't need them. We need treats. We do not. We definitely need treats. Definitely don't send them to the office. We don't need more stuff. <laughs> uh, but we will try to figure out something special to do for the, for episode 200 that isn't then napping on, on mic because, you know, it's not very entertaining. Just give the people what they want. The people do not want that. They do. No. No, you want that. They want it too. <laughs> Anyways, we'll be back next week. Thank you guys again so much for listening. And as always, keep watching television.